0: Welcome to episode 193 of Telepractice Today with Kim Dutro Allen and Dr. Todd Houston. Welcome back to a- another episode. Unfortunately, however, our guest that was scheduled this week had a family emergency at the last minute and had to cancel. We'll get uh, that person rescheduled. However, we do have an interview for you to hear. We've uh, went back into the vault, into the archives, and we've pulled up an episode with... Genevieve Richardson. She's the founder of Life Speech Pathology in Austin, Texas. Her focus is on treating adults with neurological issues or chronic aphasia. So enjoy this interview that we did with Genevieve just a little while ago. We'll see you next week with a new episode. Until then, here's Genevieve.
1: Hi, are you creative? Do you want to give a webinar or teach a course? Maybe you're a writer. Do you want to create a blog? Maybe you have an idea for a podcast. Whatever your passion is, we at 3C Digital Media Network want you to be a content creator so we can bring your ideas to life. So to get started, visit our website at 3cdigitalmedianetwork.com and sign up to be a content creator. We look forward to seeing your passions come to life on our platform.
0: So, Genevieve, welcome to the podcast. Can you share a little bit more about your background?
1: Sure. Uh, let's see where to start. So, I'm native Californian and transplant to Austin, Texas. I've been here for six years and just love it. So, I've been in the field 28 years. Uh, the long and the short story, it, how I got here, is kind of interesting. I was really good at accounting in high school and thought, yeah. oh, I could be an accountant. Yeah, that <laughs> no. lasted all of uh, <laughs> lasted all of two years.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, only you know, while I was doing my undergrad, my mom was a case manager at the local hospital in Whittier, California. Shout out to Presbyterian Intercommunity Hospital. Awesome, And um, she introduced me to the speech pathologist at the hospital named Clark, Clark mm. Gilmore. Oh. And Clark's specialty was esophageal speech. And he just had a passion for working with laryngectomies. Mm. So my mom introduced me to Clark. And over the summer between my sophomore and junior year, I worked with him with the laryngectomy support group, and I just love it. I fell in love with the folks that have a story, and mm-hmm. these folks in particular were so happy to have a second chance at life. Sure. Because most of them, once they had their, lar- um, their larynx removed,
2: mm-hmm. a
1: little bit of radiation,
2: mm-hmm.
1: other than having to learn how to talk again, they were good to go, so they right. were not going to waste any opportunity at life,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it just inspired me. I uh, went home uh, after I would started my fall semester. I was at Cal State University, Fullerton. Woohoo! Go Titans. Mm-hmm. And um, found out that they had a communication disorders program, so I didn't even have to change schools. I changed my major. Went home, told my parents, I'm getting a master's. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, we're good. No big deal. <laughs> because I found it. Right. right. I mean, to be able to find what you want to do. Uh, so that's, that's the long and the short of it. I had to kind of push my professors and clinical supervisors and undergrad to be able to work with adults. Because as you mm-hmm. guys might know, you know, sometimes university programs don't have a lot of adults to go around right uh same thing in my graduate program i didn't want to work with kids sorry kids there's (laughs) plenty that do Um, right i really wanted to work with adults that had a story Mm -hmm. and i knew that uh, i graduated from university of redlands
2: Mm -hmm.
1: for my master's and i wanted to work in acute rehabilitation so i interviewed from santa barbara to san diego and landed my dream job Wow. And I haven't looked back since. So that's how I got in the field.
0: So that's awesome. And so what was, so where did you land in that dream job?
1: I was at the Rehabilitation Institute at Santa Barbara.
0: Oh, nice.
1: At the time, it was a freestanding acute rehab facility. And while I was there, I had the opportunity to work for the visiting nurse association after hours, basically after my full-time job. And I got to follow some of my patients to their house. Wow. So I got to see them in rehab back then. We were doing rehab two months, two and a half months at a time. I hear it's not that way anymore. And then I got to follow them home. And I just Mm. love that kind of transition into function. Right, And really, you know, what we were doing in the acute rehab hospital didn't translate necessarily to the home. You had to look at it from a very different perspective, um, you know, dialing the telephone. Back then, you know, there were no cell phones.
2: <laughs> I'm kind right, right. dating myself. Right.
1: But there were no cell, you know, so people had to be able to. Read a phone number and dial 911, dial their daughter. Maybe mm-hmm. they had a phone with some speed dials on it. Maybe they didn't. We had yellow pages. If we needed a plumber, <laughs> we had to look up Roto rooter in the yellow. So it just, yep. it was a totally different perspective for me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So after I did acute rehabilitation, uh, my, I followed my husband. And we moved areas, we moved down more towards the Los Angeles area, and I started doing per diem work. Mm -hmm. Uh, So acute rehab. So I I worked at USC University Hospital, Presbyterian Hospital, you know, where I met Clark originally Mm -hmm. and did home health. And anyway, it just turned into this wonderful career working with adults.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. So here's here's a little shout out for for my graduate program, uh, University of South Carolina. We did have okay. we did have uh, some experience working with adults. It was you know pretty balanced curriculum, and I have to admit I did work with some laryngectomy patients. I got you know a couple semesters doing that, but I do recall one patient who had a stoma and continued to smoke. Yeah. From the stoma.
2: Yeah. I saw
1: I I did. I witnessed it myself.
0: And so I had the opposite uh, reaction that you did when working with adults. (laughs) It was like, oh, my goodness. You know, I can't do this. This is that that
3: was mine, too. I worked in a hospital just long enough to know I never wanted to work in a hospital. (laughs) Wow.
1: (laughs) And yet Um, I, I loved it. What was yes. fun after doing acute rehab for four years and then some home health with it, when I started doing acute medical, you know, ICU stuff, I actually really enjoyed it because I could just go in and like triage, do a quick mm-hmm. eval and move them on, you know, move yeah. them on.
3: Sure. Yeah, I have a sister that worked in the ER as a nurse and that's exactly what she would say. Like, I just, I fix them and I move on. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I, and so it was nice. I had a, a nice blend. Uh, from doing per diem work because then I really got into home care and I probably have done home care for 18 years if I add it all up. Wow. And I had uh, a corporation. It was just me, fancy, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, as a corporation of just me in my area. I was in Ventura County, California. And when I left there, I had nine contracts with different home health agents. I was the only one doing it wow i racked up a lot of miles
0: sure
2: <laughs> sure
1: that, that, but i also knew all the speech pathologists in the skilled nursing in the hospitals because you know i have one little bluetooth right um earpieces and so when i was driving doing these long drives i would just reach out to these facilities and get to know the therapist that was in there so when i got a referral from home care that Mrs. Jones is coming out, so I would call the skilled nursing she was coming from. I get the swallow eval results mm-hmm. directly from the therapist, and I was ready to go when I walked in the house. It was a pretty That's good. Awesome. That's great, yeah. yeah. But it it was a lot of it was a lot of fun.
0: That's great. That's great. And so and so you had to follow that husband who tore you out of California and relocated you to Texas.
3: Well, I had her. a
1: two-year stint in uh, Boston. In between,
0: oh, oh, you went, you went all Ooh, the way yeah. east. Wow,
1: yeah, that was that was it was good and challenging.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> could you, could
1: you, could, <laughs> I'm just gonna go with it.
0: Could you understand anyone in Boston when they were talking to you? <laughs>
1: no, it, it was really, it was really tough. Tough crowd to. It is. Tough crowd to break into. I mean, we were there two years and I was just getting in and I was getting friends and, you know, and then husband's like, oh, want to go to Austin? (laughs) I'm like, well, I've uh, at least it'll be I'll be in the middle of the country now. And so I'll be halfway closer to my folks that stayed in California.
0: So I have to ask, this is kind of off topic, but you've lived, grew up on the West Coast. You moved to the East Coast and now you're down South. So how do they compare? What do you like about the South versus East Coast versus West Coast?
2: Um,
1: I learned to love oysters and beer in Boston. Does <laughs>
0: okay. that makes sense? That California,
1: because I'd spent most of my life there. You mm-hmm. know, you get a little bored with the weather. And i it's not a joke, but I would still say you need an earthquake to shake it up now in then. Because you can only have so much like 70 degree weather, mm-hmm. you know, in blue skies. Mm-hmm. Yes. We
3: had, where I live, we just had, I think it was 96 days with no rain. We broke a record. I'm in the desert. <laughs> and It's just, <laughs> it's just, I would, Jesus. I would like the 70. I'm just, it's just hot and sunny <laughs> every day. for. Well,
1: 90. this has been, for my six years here in Austin, we've had the most 100 days yeah. wow. in a long time. I don't know, you know, somebody can correct me on that, but like I had to water my oak trees last night because they were like, no. you know, like, <laughs> you know, we're dying right. here
2: because right.
1: we haven't had any rain. Um, But just in general, California people are nice. I hate the traffic. Right. 12 lanes of highway, you know, on the 405 or the 101, not mm-hmm. Not my favorite. Mm -hmm. Where we lived, we were 20 miles west of Boston in a town called Sudbury. Beautiful little town, so Mm -hmm. historic, gargantuan, you know, 80, 100 foot trees, totally different feel and environment. But my first winter there was (laughs) the most snow in recorded history.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: (laughs) I used to visit Snow, but never lived right. in Snow, right. you know, so that was hard, too. So anyway, but the folks here in Austin, they're just nice. Mm-hmm. They're just nice. Like, my husband likes to say, you know, if I had car trouble it was off the side of the road, it's more likely I'm going to get a good Samaritan to help mm-hmm. me versus somebody the opposite end of that spectrum. Right. Um. Anyways, just the folks here are really nice, and, you know, we've been real happy here. Kids are thriving. I have teenagers, and you know the school district where we are is fabulous. Oh, good! And you know it's all it's all good. I always try to keep it positive. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but a lot of life lessons moving. Sure, especially cross country, leaving everybody I knew.
0: Mm -hmm. So, I've done that a couple times.
1: (laughs) From where to where?
0: Well, I left uh, um, Northern Virginia, Washington, DC and moved to uh, where we living at the time and moved to Utah. That's where I met Kim. uh, I was on fact, I got a job working at Utah State University and she was a student there. So never lived out West before. Never been talking about snow that we got when I was in Utah. I never experienced that much snow because I grew up in South Carolina, even the forecast of the threat of snow they close the schools you know right right lake yep. falls they're closing schools and everyone's going to the grocery store and buying all the bread and milk and eggs um so uh i wasn't used to the to the snow there uh but you 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 adapt you know for sure so, and then they move from there to ohio and that's where i am now so i've 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 been around <laughs> <laughs> some different different places uh in the career so so i understand picking up and moving and and with children and relocating and all that stuff
1: yeah definitely a challenge and kim where are you
3: I'm in Utah, too. So I actually, when I graduated, went to North Carolina, kind of because of Todd and connections that he had there and people that I had met at an internship at UNC. So we lived there and then had started having kids and wanted to be closer to family. So moved back to Utah. And then this past year, I moved the opposite end of Utah from all of my family. (laughs) So I'm about a five hour drive away from all of my family now. So that was our, we're in the desert of Utah now. And that was a big change too. So, yeah, Yeah. but that's one of the nice things too about, you know, telepractice is I I didn't really have a reason to tell my husband, no, we can't move because Mm -hmm. my work comes with me. (laughs) Right. So it's like a good and bad thing.
1: But you've done telepractice for Mm -hmm. a long time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so it was easy for you to make the move. Yep. Yep. So. Terrific.
3: Yeah. I started in, uh, well, my first ever session was in, I think, 2009 with Todd uh, when I was a graduate student. And then I've been doing it basically full time since 2016. Okay. So. Yeah, but to tell us about your start into telepractice.
1: Yeah. Uh let's see. Let's see if I go back to Boston. I moved to Boston in 2014. I want to say I met Bill Connors. Mm-hmm. Uh, I attended his conference in San Diego. I want to say it was 2011 or 2012, and. He was showing – the conference was about aphasia and apraxia and just kind of a different approach to that kind of Mm -hmm. treatment. But built into his two-day, eight-hours-a-day conference was him showing telepractice and how he can reach anybody. And Mm -hmm. he had people in different states. He, at the time, was living in Pittsburgh, Mm -hmm. Pennsylvania. And so part of our session was he had people telepractice in Back then it was on UVU, like they don't even exist anymore. But it was basically two talking heads, right? Mm
2: -hmm. And a Mm -hmm. chat
1: box. That's all it was. Um, But I was was thought, huh, that's pretty cool. But why I uh, ended up building a relationship with Bill is I was in home health and I had a couple of really, really severe apraxic, aphasic clients and he just had a different way different approach and he was just so generous in that he said, you know, if you ever have a a patient you want to talk about, you know, he's like, we'll just jump on the computer and I'd be more than happy to help you. So I started building a relationship with Bill and he helped me with a couple of different clients and we just kind of stayed in touch and he came out to California. His son was getting married. We met in person. He showed me more in depth about telepractice at the time wham Obama. I moved to Boston and he's like, Hey, why don't you uh, take over my California clients and get some more licenses and work for me? Hey. So that was, so I started working for Bill in 2014. And he had been doing telepractice since 2005.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. All of us
3: that did it before it was cool, right? <laughs> <That's>
1: exactly right. <laughs> right. It, it, for sure. Yep. Yeah. I mean, we started on WebEx. Mm-hmm. Which I loved, and I would tell you, and I don't know if I'm getting ahead of head of the curve here, but Webex was awesome in that it has this lovely whiteboard it's mm-hmm. it's very I think of it as a precursor to Zoom. Zoom takes up less bandwidth than Webex did, so we had to be a little more careful about who we were seeing. You know, and making sure their internet was stable, and then Webex, their their desktop um, app was a little more clunky than Zoom is. You know, a, so we had some challenges with it. But I learned to do telepractice with adults using a whiteboard, so we had multi modal, you know, multimodality built in, whether they could read or not. I'm still putting it up on the board. They're still getting the board when we finish. A session, they get to right. review the content. They get to rehearse what we've done. I can put strategies. I can put their goals. So I really became the telepractitioner I am today because we had that whiteboard. I I think about if I started on a platform that was just two talking heads, I don't mm-hmm. think it would have worked for aphasia, mm-hmm. right? Cause I tend to, I, I jump back and forth a lot. Like right now we're just on video, but you know, I hit, I have a quick keys that I've programmed into my zoom and I can be sharing my whiteboard with you mm-hmm. super quick. And I can go to my peripheral. I've got, I keep my iPad plugged in over here and
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, super easy to do. All my resources are here in front of me, somewhat I- organized. I, uh, I know how to search my keyword to pull them up pretty quick. But I just, I just love telepractice Mm -hmm. for the aphasia, apraxia, you know, cognition, you know, working with adults because I can really flex and get creative. I can just pull up a Google search bar and we can do some pace therapy with the pictures that just come up. And they may not be perfect, but what in life is perfect, especially for adults, right? Mm -hmm. We all need Mm -hmm. mental flexibility. Yeah. So, I know I'm preaching to the choir, (laughs) preaching to the choir, talking to you guys about it. But um, for the population I serve, which is chronic aphasia. So, our specialty is working with the folks after rehab when life really sets in and they've got to really buckle down and figure out how to communicate with their spouse and their spouse with them and how they're going to move forward. Because I think of it almost like when you're in rehab, you're just surviving. You're just mm-hmm. trying to get through it. And you've got all these all the support and professionals. Not so much after discharge.
3: Yep.
0: So yep. why don't we talk about your practice? Because it's life speech pathology. And then you have it is. Life Aphasia Academy. Right? Yes.
1: Yes. Oh so two separate businesses serving two s- populations. Meaning Mm -hmm. I do, I'm a Medicare provider for life speech pathology. Um, I'll do out of network for insurances, that kind of thing. But I also, so that's for medically necessary, you know, outpatient Mm -hmm. therapy. And then I also have a wellness program for those folks that want to work on things where they get to direct what they work on. Uh, not necessarily medically necessary, right, by mm-hmm. definition. So I have those kind of options. And then it just really became apparent that families and spouses are just not getting the help they need for that day-to-day aphasia support. Mm-hmm. They need somebody to hold their hand because what, what have we always done? Well, what have I've always done? I'll only speak for myself. You know we try and do some family training during the therapy session. We don't have time outside of it because it's not real outside yeah, of it right. so so we're trying to find this trying to do it all and not- you know uh you know insurance doesn't pay real great I think right. i'm not i'm I'm not you know shocking or you know shaking the apple cart by saying that. So, I started a life aphasia academy to help address the families. Um, I have some courses I'm currently building, and on top of my practice in the evenings and weekends when my husband lets me, I'm working on courses um, that's going to offer that kind of hand holding training kind of support. It's going to be able to meet people wherever they are in mm-hmm. their journey with aphasia and living with aphasia um i have a podcast none mm-hmm. of you know about it so I'll, i'm saying it now uh i'm i'm stuck on one little techie part i've actually got five, five i think five or up but nobody knows about it yet because i haven't advertised it but but it's part part of my mission with aphasia academy is getting these families information that they may not know about right? What to do if you want specialty, you know, physical therapy services like pool therapy. Um, mm-hmm. How to get your, ho- your financial house in order. What can a financial planner do to help you? What are hospice services? What is grief uh, therapy and, you know, all that kind of coping? There's just so many topics that these families need. Yep. So that's what, I, so I'm trying to fill in, so I'm trying to fill that gap. So, yeah, lots to do. Lots <laughs> lots to do. Who wants to help me? Um mm. so so I feel like I'm trying to provide a comprehensive, you know, treat the treat the client, support the family and help bridge that gap. Yeah. As much as I can and you know, I'm learning every day. There's sure. just so much. Yeah. <laughs> There's just so much. But it's good. I yeah. and not one complaint. I mean, it's um I'm blessed to be where I am in my career. I'm blessed to have an amazing husband and family that are 120% behind me.
3: Yeah. I like how it definitely seems like you see a need and you go and build something to fix that need.
1: As best I can. And, you know, and it's not just about, I want to partner. I'm not trying to remake the wheel. It's about supporting these families going forward. And I want to partner with these other organizations. I just haven't had time to pick up the phone to call. So, you know, that's part of why I really wanted to be on with you guys. um, Because I love what you're doing with the podcast. I love the tips and all the interviews you do with a great variety of clinicians that are out there. I learn all the time. Well, thank from you. you guys, from others, I try and consume as much as I can. Um, yeah, definitely trying to f- find some synergies with others, and just help this community. Right, right.
0: That's awesome. So, how? What are some of the challenges, maybe that um, that you find working with adults in telepractice? You know, I don't want to stereotype, but it would seem that. Some generations, older generations, may not be as comfortable with technology, where some may be just fine with it. So what have you found?
1: Oh, it's such a great question. I've never failed to get somebody Zooming. And I use Zoom as a verb. It it is in my vocabulary, like Webster's needs to put it in there. (laughs) Um, But part of it is I have a little bit different approach. Especially since I'm in my own private practice, I get to I get I get to call the shots.
0: Mm. Uh,
1: but I do a lot of preparation and training prior to. Yeah. I've got a comprehensive telepractice guide. I start with a consultation call. Uh, usually, a spouse or a significant other or an adult child is with them. Right, and I explain it. We go through it. We
2: practice
1: it some because my consultation is definitely on Zoom because. I'm in 12 states. Mm-hmm. That's a whole other topic. Anyway, right. I'll <laughs> of, period. Yeah. Um, but the point is, you're right in that some are comfortable and some are not. Mm-hmm. And I was a so I have this one gentleman who shall not be named. If he hears this mm-hmm. podcast, he knows, he's going to know who I'm, I'm talking about him. He never even had a smartphone. He never touched a computer.
2: Mm.
1: and his wife and I worked on him, and he's logging on. He can turn on his camera. He can do a little bit of problem-solving, little troubleshooting. Um, sometimes my Zoom link doesn't go out. He's learned how to pick up the phone and call me <laughs> on the office number and tell me that he needs the Zoom link. I send it. In a minute, he's on. So... Where there's a will, there's a way.
0: Sure, sure. I
1: feel like because I offer specialty services, more of these folks that are finding me want to be here, so they're putting in the extra effort. This is not me being the only outpatient clinician attached to a hospital or in a community where everybody funnels there. So it's a little different. I think if everybody funneled to me, I'd have probably a little different outcome than what i have now but i i think you can overcome it you set expectations if i'm when i'm doing an avow or before i even do the avow i explain how it's going to work i talk to the spouse about what i need him or her to do what i need them not to do i have to tell them what i want and what i don't want you know usually in therapy we, we only tell them what we want them to do, right? We're not mm-hmm. trying to overwhelm them. But with a spouse, you can tell them both ends of it. And sometimes we have to, you know, flex
2: a little. Sure. Don't
3: jump but, in. But, Let them answer. Those mm-hmm. kinds
2: of
1: things. L- yeah, l- yeah. yeah. You are there just to help push buttons if I need you to push it or to point to something. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, and, and then that leads to, you know, evaluations being a whole other bag. On telepractice,
0: that's right. That's right.
3: That that could can and maybe will be a mm-hmm. whole other episode talking right. about oh seriously. On I, telepractice, I think we
1: should. You guys, should, well, if you haven't done it already, a panel. Sure. Yeah. Oh, that would be really interesting. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
3: yeah.
1: Pros, cons, different populations, standardized, non-standardized, right? Dynamic. You know. Mm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so if yeah. we do that, you'll come back and and talk. Sure,
1: about- sure. I'm I'm <laughs> okay. always. I'll g- I'll give you my one cent. I good, won't even call good. two cents. I'll just give you my one cent.
0: <laughs> we, we have you on tape now.
1: All you're right. recorded.
0: You're recorded that saying me. that you'll come back. So um, you mentioned some of the resources you find, like going using you know pictures, uh, doing you know, Google search or something like that. Are there other resources that you you find turning to more often than not, and um, when you're working with adults?
1: Um, boy. What can I say? So, I do download a lot of pictures. I use those free download picture like pic- Pixabay, I never know how to say it quite right. Mm-hmm. Unsplash. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh the one that goes with Shopify. I download a bunch of pictures. They're not terribly organized. But I find Mm -hmm. if I keep them in a file, I can scan visually pretty quickly and pop something up. I tend to do um, a lot of annotating on the full desktop. Mm -hmm. I actually was doing that today because you can't put a picture on the whiteboard in Zoom. If you can, I don't know it. So somebody, you know, give me some love and let me know how to do it. So Mm -hmm. I work around it. So I will end up sharing my whole desktop. I'll move my Zoom window to the side. Mm
2: -hmm. I'll
1: open up uh, one of those pictures and I'll just make it bigger so I have some room to write. Or Mm -hmm. with annotation, I'll draw a box, you Mm -hmm. know, to fill it in and... You know, so that I have a writing area. Mm-hmm. And then for any of you that do use the whiteboard or are screen sharing on Zoom, you probably all know this because they listen to you guys. <laughs> but if on your um on your annotation toolbar, if you're sharing your screen, hit that save button. It takes a screenshot of your entire desktop. Or whatever it is you're right. working on. So it saves all your annotation just as it was. For me, I share all of that stuff with my clients. Mm-hmm. They see it. They know what we've worked on. It's a record of what we've worked on. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so okay. the other thing I do is Google lots of Google stuff. I'll make some Google mm-hmm. Slides and I'll just annotate right on top of the Google Slides. And the slide packet will be in their folder where they can access it. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I just try and get as flexible as I can. I, um, sometimes I'll use TalkPath News, uh, that Mm Graphica puts out.
0: I'll Mm -hmm. use that
1: for stories. Um, sometimes, otherwise I, I download a bunch of stuff and just have PDFs that I can pull up, whether it's stories at whatever reading level I want or whatever. Mm -hmm. I use, um. Some apps on my iPad right now. I have a couple of clients that really want to read to their grandchildren. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have this fabulous Dr. Seuss app. And I got like a bunch of the Seuss books on there. And then I'll just, and I, when I share my iPad, it's plugged into the computer. It's, it's a more stable connection than if you're using, um, what's it called? Airplay.
0: Airplay, right.
1: Yeah. So I always keep my iPad plugged in. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I'll, I'll pop the story up. I'll use like the vanishing pen tool on zoom. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I'm underlining so we can have a shared reference of where we are. I can circle words. I can type things over on the side. Mm -hmm. I do a lot of that. That's awesome. I do a lot of, so, um, I have some word puzzles that I have on my iPad that we'll use from time to time.
2: Yeah.
0: I I have a colleague who who used um, um, Google Maps and as the patient uh, adult wanted to go to a restaurant down the street. So they zoomed in on the house and they actually walked down the street. yeah, did the street view and, and walked down the street, you know, moved down the street, and she had to explain, you know, how to get there and how to get back home and all this stuff. It was it I was really that. talk about ultimately ultimate functional kind of thing. It was a great activity.
1: Since I'm seeing so many folks in other states, I my geography has really really improved. Like I I <laughs> I I can label all fifty, um, <laughs> but I do use Apple Maps a lot. You know, Mm -hmm. and we'll talk about if they're going to travel somewhere, you know, I'll zoom in, we'll, we'll draw on it, we'll annotate, we'll do words, we'll take those words turn them into sentences, turn it into a story. So I do use that a lot. Um, I'll go to the weather channel often. Oh, cool. uh, We always start with chit chat. Sure. Be that as it may. Weather is an easy way. And I, and I show my phone like, look, it's a hundred (laughs) again. (laughs) You know, um, so we do talk a lot about weather and then Mm -hmm. they get good at looking up their weather on their device. Now they're Mm -hmm. talking in numbers and they're talking in sentences and it's functional. Yep. And if they can talk weather. They, they can. With me, they can talk with anybody.
3: Right, right. I was going to mention that something that I feel like when you've talked about today, seeing people go from inpatient to outpatient, they're in the home, and in trainings that I've done that you've you put on, that's the thing that sticks out to me the most is making it functional for right. those adults and. And I think that sometimes we even, and you can speak to this too, that we even get more of a chance to do that when we're doing telepractice because they're not coming to us, we're going to them in a way. So we see Mm -hmm. like the things that they want to talk about, they want to do are in their house. Mm
1: -hmm. Absolutely. Um, My one guy I was talking about earlier, uh, we were doing the children's book, Good Night Moon. Mm-hmm. I got on Amazon and I sent him the book. And so he can practice, you know. It's just a little thing, but now he's got... (laughs) Pardon me. He's got the book in front of him. I got the PDF in front of me, you know. And so we're sharing my screen. We're going through. We're using the invisible pen. We're highlighting the words he needs to practice on his own. I, I used to carry... So much. I had no trunk space because I carried (laughs) all my materials when I was in home health. Right. I had walk in the house with this huge bag of stuff. And luckily I did a lot of swallowing. So I didn't have to carry as much material, but I do love telepractice for the availability of my resources and Mm -hmm. being able to wing it Yeah, Mm -hmm. and wing it professionally. it, It, You know, if you know how to do a Google search, you can pull up some cool stuff.
3: Yeah, that's right. Yep. And I feel like a lot of people who are just getting started in telepractice want someone to, like, give them a kit or a program or, like, tell just tell me what to do every day. Tell me mm. what do I need to do with these these students, these adults. And I think it's a lot of time it's seeing what they want, seeing what they need and not having a prescribed, this is what we're going to do today, which is scary. But like you said, professional weeding it. I like it.
1: <laughs> I love it. Uh, I, you know, I've just now, I can plan all I want. Right. Usually we might get part of it. Mm -hmm. It might jump us off. That's usually not where we end up. You know, we still stay focused on the goals, but how we get there and the stimuli we use. Yep. You know, that's the fun part. Just winging it. Yeah. Uh, I I use Canva. I will. Mm hmm guys are familiar with anva yeah one of my one of my guys uh has just kind of started detailing cars again he used to always keep his car detailed and he's thinking i could turn this into a little more than just you know doing for the family sure we got on Canva today and we started making him a brochure he so we've worked the last few sessions generating the content working in numbers working in words looking up products like so nice. it's like we're almost Perfect. there probably yep. one or two more sessions we'll have that topic you know we'll have that flyer done that he likes i'll send him the pdf he can have it printed out at office depot whammo bammo sunday he could be passing it at church
3: exactly yeah right Oh. A, I have, I've worked with high school students the last couple of years. And so it gets more similar to that, like adult functionality. And I had one that I had a session plan and he's like, I'm taking my driver's test this week and I'm really worried about it. And I was like, awesome. Let's pull up. You can find the, the, the book <laughs> on it. the DMV website. We took For practice sure. test. We worked on vocabulary. We worked on memory skills. And it was something that meant something to him <laughs> instead right. of what I had decided we were going to work on that and here. you're
1: still you're still hitting your goal exactly mm-hmm. that's it that's why you know uh when i've had grad students that intern with me doing telepractice like don't put the stimuli that you're going to use in your goal because it's uh, you know it's short-lived when you're working with chronic aphasia this stuff takes time mm-hmm. you can't you need a more if, if it's working on sentence level or tense or whatever, it doesn't matter what you use. But I'm with you, Kim. I have done the DMV. Like, it's made me a better driver, you know, passed my last test in California with flying because we practiced it. Right. And it's just, I don't know. I think the computer is just a great way, and I could not have done that in person.
2: Yeah. Right, right.
1: Could not have, have done it. I had a gentleman that I saw who's here in, in this area. He's about 30, 40 minutes from me. I went to his house and saw him in person for an avow. Mm-hmm. Talk about strange. <laughs> I, mean, I am so used to having everything here. Like I had to like pack a bag.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> you know, was with, with stuff to take with me. So it was um it was fun and interesting. I enjoyed it. it. It was great to see him in his house and his environment. Um, but I loved the whole packing and unpacking.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. You get so used to everything being at your fingertips on the computer. Yeah, well, real- I think <clears throat> the, the message is keep things functional and uh, absolutely. And, and in terms of the therapy, Mental and so
1: flexibility
0: and be flexible. That's right.
1: For us and helping and our, them. Yep. helping our helping our our folks be flexible too, because we need
3: it. Yeah.
0: Well, we're gonna flex into the most important part of our show, our our, our episode here, and that is our moment of zen. Oh. So we have three lists of questions for you.
1: Three lists. mm
0: Hmm. But you choose oh,
1: okay, you just choose, right, choose one, one list.
0: oh, okay, choose one out of the three. So list a, B or C, and you get to choose which list you want.
1: Do I get a hint? Nope.
0: No. no
1: <laughs> <sighs> Let's go with b
0: B a B person. okay.
1: I don't know. I if you picked a number, I would have picked seven. so, <laughs> so th- is th- this me? is th-
0: this is just a, a little thing we do to get to know our guests a little better. OK, but so don't this... you have
1: my life story already? I, I like we do. I feel like we do. You. you need to know how many chickens I have. And how well,
0: many... we might get to the chickens. Yeah, we might.
1: We might. All right. Go ahead. Uh,
0: first question. Do you describe yourself as an introvert or an extrovert?
1: More extrovert.
0: I could have told you that. You think? Uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that was a dead giveaway. Does that count?
0: <laughs> yep. Um, next one. Uh, this is a good one. What's the best compliment you've ever received? Mm,
1: that's a good question. Something along the lines of, I have a better quality of life because I worked with you.
0: Oh, that's nice. That's awesome. That's a good one. Yeah. N- oh. Next Next question. <laughs> Who was the most influential person in your life and how did he or she impact you?
1: Um, It's going to sound really corny. And today's my wedding anniversary, by the way, but Uh, I'm going to say my husband.
0: Well, very nice.
1: And the reason for that is he's always been a big thinker. He, He thinks about he he would be like the ultimate chess player, you know, thinking multiple mm-hmm. steps ahead. But he's also just kind of in tune and is always striving to do better. Sometimes I feel like I get caught up in the day-to-day. Oh, I got to get mm-hmm. this done and that done. And, uh, you know, I, I'm more in the here and now. And sometimes he helps me to expand that and think about what can be and what is
0: That's nice. And
1: how I got to get from here to what is. Mm -hmm. And even though that path might be, you know, not straight or straight up or whatever it is. uh, He, knowing how he is grounded, it helps me keep moving forward, even on the hard days, especially with building this practice and everything I'm trying to do. Mm -hmm. Some long days.
0: Well, that's very nice.
1: Just, yeah. Anyway. Corny. You should make,
0: make him listen to this episode.
1: I know, right? <laughs> this and is your Brownie anniversary home. present. And then, <laughs> I know, right?
0: and you know, then you say you have to go out and buy some shoes and a purse and then she'll, he'll, that's
1: fine.
0: You know, you, you butter him up and then you go buy some stuff.
1: Yeah, no problem. Uh,
0: <laughs> next <laughs> question. What do people misunderstand most about you?
1: Uh, they th- Think I've got it all figured out and everything is perfectly under control. Very good. I've had a couple of people make comments in my life that they think I think I got it all and I'm like no. <laughs> you know, I mean, but it's interesting when you start to self-reflect and think mm-hmm. how do people perceive you? Right. And, you know, I, I've always been kind of a problem solver and trying to move forward again. I, I mm-hmm. count that on husband. You can complain all you want, but if you don't have some ideas and, you know, some directions to go. Right. Uh, you know, I don't want to hear it.
0: Right. Very so, good. Interesting. Yeah, that's good. Um, what's something surprising that you've learned about yourself?
1: I can be really creative. Good, not in an artsy way.
3: Yeah,
1: you know, like I can't paint to save my. Well, I can paint a wall, but I can't <laughs> paint. <laughs> right? No, I can't paint to save my life. But um, you know, I think I'm just at a point in my career and my life, and how I, my life experiences that I can kind of think outside the box and and try new things and. You know, hopefully I don't fall flat on my face. Maybe it's a softer landing than something like that. But I'm willing to try.
0: Right. Good. Good. Do you have a favorite quote or a motto that you live by?
1: Uh, Yes. Boy. The one, there's several. I'm going to pick the one, keep moving forward. Very good. It's one of my favorite quotes. It's from a movie called Meet the Robinsons. It was an animated Mm -hmm. Disney movie from way back when. And it's just Mm kind of one of those, you know, that I came across when my kids were young. And I just loved the story. And a little kid in the story, just he was trying so hard to be an inventor and get adopted and, you know, have... Future parents love him, and he just tried Mm -hmm. so hard, and the motto is keep moving forward. And I use that with my clients all the time.
0: That's awesome. That's great. How do you define success?
1: People, connections, community.
0: Very good. What's the best advice a mentor ever gave you about your work or life?
1: keep moving forward. (laughs) But, But, but to that, but to that extent, like, like don't stop. Um, even if, you know, especially early on in my career, if I, you know, was beating myself up because I blew it on how I was administering a test or interpreting it or my report writing, you know, it's some of those hard skills that we have to learn, you know, and you learn it with time and experience you know, exposure and experience and, um, you know, they just said, it's not a, not a thing, just figure it out and keep going.
0: That's right. Good. Uh, do you have a hack? It could be anything. Hack. Um, a hack. Like a light. You- hack. I thought you were going to was-
1: say a hat. I'm a, no. like, I got a bunch just not <laughs> in. Hack. Um,
2: uh,
0: it, about life, about telepractice, about could be about the use of a paperclip i don't know but you know whatever hack you've come up with
1: i'm going to have to get back to you on that one i okay. thought i've never considered it uh i don't know i don't know that's a good good question
0: we'll we'll substitute a question here okay all right what is your pet peeve
1: people that stop trying whether it's my kids, whether it's the neighbor, whether it's a client, it doesn't matter. Somebody that's just, um, they just get stuck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They get stuck and, you know, it's not, you know, uh, some of my clients worry so much about their computers and breaking their computers. And I say, unless you've thrown it out the window or you just poured water all over it. Mm-hmm. You're not going to break it, you know, just get past, get past that. Right. Try
2: mm-hmm.
1: push the button. Don't push all of the buttons. <laughs> just push that button. Right. right.
0: Exactly. Keep taking yeah. those steps.
1: It keeps, last, yeah.
0: last question for you. If heaven exists, what do you want to hear God say when you enter the pearly gates? Ooh.
2: Wow,
1: that's that that like gave me the chills right there. Let's see. What do I want to hear? That I made a difference. That I provided value. That it, you know, my life was was uh worthwhile. That's a good one. That's good. Ooh, man, Todd, yeah. I'm still in your <laughs> holy cow. Those are like woo.
0: <laughs> we need to sing Kleenex before we do these things. I know, uh, right? So, I know that's
1: a, that's a good thing. That's a good thing about wearing glasses now.
0: <laughs> well, <sighs> we we think you're doing a great job and doing great work in in Texas as well as 12 other states, uh, and we really appreciate you being with us tonight. Interstate
3: and, uh, Compact. There you go. We're up to 22. I just 22,
0: read 22. The 22
3: Texas Texas in there yet? I think. I'll have to look again, but I think it
2: was I in there. I looked
1: last – was it last night, night before? Texas was not in there, but I uh. – um, are you guys familiar with the Center for Connected
0: – Health. No. Tele- There's a Center for Connected Telehealth, I think?
1: Yes, I like. that's the one. Mm-hmm. So I was reading their article. I want to say it came out Monday or Tuesday. And they were talking about this UHC, I would have to look at it, but it's something about, you know, getting states to adopt just these basic mm-hmm. health parameters. And it's right. different from the interstate compact is how I was reading it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I'm really, and I liked what they were saying about standards and, right. you know, and, you know, just a message I would get out to other telepractitioners. Not every person is going to benefit from telepractice. Right. Yeah. Our job is to know when to refer.
0: Right. Exactly.
1: I I saw a post today, something about um, the clinician was asking, "Well, should I let the child do telepractice from the back seat of the car?"
2: <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I've done it once. I've done but, it once. Okay, it's not early, ideal, but early
1: pandemic, early pandemic yeah. one-offs.
0: Yeah, mm, but perhaps not, not consistently.
1: But, I mean, but right, w- our folks have to learn.
2: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, anyway, so you know, uh, my my ultimate message as far as telepractice stuff goes, we have to know. It's our ethical duty to know when it's working and when it's not working. Right. And right. it's not a reflection on us as a clinician if it's not working. Sometimes it right. just
3: doesn't work. Just I think it doesn't work. Thinking of that, what Asha says about it needs to be equal to in-person, would you climb in the back of someone's car and do therapy with them right. as <laughs> you were yes. in-person? If you, Maybe if you think of it that way, if it has to be equal, would I do this same thing in-person and having that be you know, kind of your guide of whether it's working or not?
0: Good point, Kim.
1: Yeah. I I think we we have, if we're going to keep telepractice in the forefront and keep right. it being a covered service by insurance and Medicare, we have to be good. We have
3: to yeah, protect its integrity. Yeah. We,
1: we have to. Uh, I don't want it to go away.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't want it to go away because look at how many clients, patients, whatever our title is for them how many people we can serve now without this geographical barrier. Right. Mm-hmm. When you can, that was the other thing in the UHC, whatever it's called. Everybody, Todd, you can put the link in the show notes. Um, but one of the points was when you can offer specialty services across state lines. Hmm you know i think that's an important distinction i don't need to go see somebody to work on r across state lines there's plenty of clinicians that can do uh-huh. it but there may not right. be as many clinicians offering chronic stroke chronic aphasia rehabilitation that's just right. as one small example yep. just we have to have integrity as clinicians if we're going to keep telepractice strong and i want to keep it strong i i know there's lots of clinicians out there that agree.
0: Well, we are right, box, sorry. Right there with you. And uh we we agree with you a hundred percent. And uh we thank you for joining us and and sharing so much about what you're doing and sharing your passion, which is it literally comes through. So thank you again for for being here with us and and best of luck to you and everything that you're doing.
1: Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. is great.
0: Again, that was Genevieve Richardson, founder of Life Speech Pathology in Austin, Texas. Go check out what she's doing. Uh, She's done some great work with adults, especially her Life Aphasia Academy, which is just an awesome thing that she's developed. And we'll be back again next week with a new episode. If you don't mind, leave that five-star review. It always helps. And until then... Be safe and be kind. This has been a production of the 3C Digital Media Network.